is Christine Conti, and you are listening to best-selling author of Split Second Courage. What if your fears were the key to your dreams? That's right, everyone. Available on Amazon right now as an ebook or paperback. Grab your copy today and unleash your inner superhero. What is holding you back from living the life you truly deserve? It is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. You know what we get to talk about today? Tell us, Christine. One of our favorite topics in the whole world, exercise and how it's medicine. It, I mean, and it's great. Christine lined up a heavy hitter for us once again today. Mm-hmm. He's amazing. Dr. Ed Laskowski. And originally from, actually, he's he lives in Minnesota, but um, he's joining us today from the beautiful sunny shores of Marco Island in Florida. <laughs> but it just so happens that he works for the Mayo Clinic and does a lot of work, evidence-based research, um, oh my gosh, based on how exercise affects the body and reduces chronic conditions and illnesses and how it is medicine and it's proven. Uh, originally a sports medicine doctor and, you know, that's where he began his, his career there in the sports medicine field at Mayo Clinic, mm-hmm. you know, but just gets into more and more of everything and how effective exercise really truly is. Uh, and, and, you know, what the evidence shows, uh, it, it to be is, is an effective, uh, tool, you know, working against all these things that we have, all this lifestyle issues and all the obesity and all the, uh, you know, diabetes and, and all the chronic conditions, you know, just you name it. And then we even get into some of the mental, uh, mental health aspects of exercise and how it helps improve, you know, just on, on just about every level of human, <laughs> uh, uh, Can I drop my favorite quote from yes. today? Did you know, and he's going to talk about this, exercise is 800 times effective more effective than anything you can do to prevent and fight than disease. any yeah anything than like any medicine anything protocol yeah, yeah. absolutely no, this is it listen just sit back 800 times not eight 800 and i'm we're gonna get into it we're gonna get riled up today because this is our passion and it's exercise doesn't have to be exercise. It's movement. It's physical activity. Brian's in love with walking and that, and, and literally he talks about the research of just walking and what that does for your health. So please stop thinking that exercise is this terrible monster where you have to get a, up a sweat and bleed all over your eyeballs and, <laughs> and whatnot. It's not, it's freaking get up out of your seat and walk around your house, walk right. up the stairs Go you work know, in a garden, right? Do anything. Just you know, just just get out in the neighborhood and 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 you know, do whatever you can. Pedal a bicycle. It's not endurance training. It's not boot camps. It doesn't necessarily. Have you don't to have be to lift heavy weights. Kettlebells or 
any of these things that you know that that we look we do like as well and and uh, we do we do to utilize ourselves but it doesn't have to be that and for and the reality of it is is that most people don't need those things they need that entry level they need that they need that nice quiet Breathe. entry into Stretch. right stretching stretching oh is an entry yeah stretching is is something that is Amazing. An entry level exercise that you want to hear something do. crazy that I've did not bring up today. So I was watching this show this week that I watch sometimes. It's called The Mass Singer. Don't (laughs) laugh at me. Don't laugh. Okay. I laugh. Don't because it relates to this. There was one of the, it's all these famous people. They have to, they are all masked and they sing and no one knows who they are and they guess and some, you know, and they take off their masks if they don't get picked as the best. Ready? This week, this person took off their mask. It was Dick Van Dyke. He performed a song singing, you know, whatever it takes. He's super, you know, he's loose. He's totally like lucid. He was talking. He was, he's 97 years old. I was going to say, definitely 90 something. 97 years old. I was like, how? I didn't, I was like, oh my God, that's Dick Van Dyke. Like, you know, super califragilistic. (laughs) Okay. So let's do that. Um, But 97. And it, it made me sit back and think like, what did he do? You know, like what type of life? has he been living that allows that for him? And, and this is something I think we should kind of think of. All right. Well, on that note, let's move on to our episode here. Uh, this is a great one. We really enjoyed having the good doc with us today, coming to us from Florida via the Mayo, the Mayo Clinic. And uh, enjoy. Welcome to another amazing episode of the Two Fit Crazies and a Microphone Podcast. Brian, how are you today? I'm doing really well, and I'm excited for our guest. You know why? We get to talk about one of our favorite topics, something that we, I guess, have devoted our lives pretty much to at this point, and that is about exercise and medicine and what are we doing to live longer, more quality lives and talk about our health span with the one, the only Dr. Ed Laskowski. How are you? Doing great, guys. Thanks. It's great to be on. Well, we're delighted to have mm-hmm. you. And, uh, you know, you, you broke away from Minnesota for, uh, it seems like here and, uh, you got some sun, sunshine in your background. So, uh, I'm thawing uh, out. I'm thawing out. So. <laughs> <laughs> Right, I imagine Rochester, Minnesota, in the uh, in the winter time is uh, you get a lot of work done, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's like, kind of like crowd preserving, though. You know, it's like uh, I actually look like I'm, you know, 19, but <laughs> no, 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 it's uh, it's you know, it's a nice place in the summer. It can get a little bit cold in the winter, but uh, you know, the people warm it up, so that's good. Okay, and and Rochester, Minnesota, of course, is the home to Mayo Clinic, uh, where you are employed. For how long? Yes. 
Uh, so I've been there over 30 years. Uh, I actually started sports medicine uh, as co-director of sports medicine at Mayo Clinic. So um, it's been a great place to work. It's a, it's a place where a lot of people work together. It's the integrated practice. So you have all the specialties you can think of in one location and uh, just a bunch of wonderful people there. So our, our three shields are clinical practice. If you see the symbol of Mayo Clinic, there's three shields. It's the, the practice that you do, the patients that you treat, then also the research and education. So we want to be doing what we do based on uh, evidence-based research, and then we want to teach that best practice to others. So, uh, you know, it's been a, a real blessing being in that model for that long and, and working with the colleagues I work with, which are, you know, just everybody's world-renowned. Uh, so it's, 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 uh, it's very stimulating, very uh, enjoyable. The, right. cr- the creme de la creme and the cutting edge, all mm-hmm. of it wrapped up in one joint. All right. So mm-hmm. no one ever falls on our podcast for no reason. And like many amazing people I've met in this world, I had a chance to meet you and speak with you a, a handful of times in different different cities across the United States when we were both at an SCW conferences speaking. And you've given a few keynotes and I've seen you speak and what I fell in love with is exactly what Brian and I do and what we're hoping to do for the world. I'm sorry. I said hope. I buried that. <laughs> what we are doing for the world. And mm-hmm. that is to promote that exercise is medicine, that there are things that we can do as humans to help us be more healthy and be happier. And and I I just love the fact that you are coming to us from – the Mayo Clinic with that, you know, that medical background, because sometimes people are not taken seriously that, you know, no, we, there's medicine, we need to take medicine and, and that people that think that they can do other things are like witch doctors or, and I, mm. I love the fact that you have this passion and you're speaking up, speaking out and what. What was the drive? We want to hear the story of how the heck did you get into this specific topic? Well, you know, I, I've, I have been an athlete my life. I was actually on the U.S. ski team when I was younger. So I've always been interested in, in um, performance and, and, and in rehab of injury and in fitness. And in coming to Mayo, you know, that's my specialty is sports medicine and physical men rehab, helping people get better and helping people to com- perform their, their best. But, but I began to see that in a lot of areas there's um, – you know, we, we don't know everything in medicine. And a lot of times we jump to, or not jump, but we, we do some things that are invasive. We do some things that involve medications. And we neglect maybe some of the foundational elements that, that will help get people better. And, you know, if, if we could have a pill that does what exercise does, it would be the best-selling medicine in history because the the physical benefits of what it reduces breast cancer it reduces colon cancer risk it reduces heart disease it reduces high blood pressure it reduces type 2 diabetes it treats depression as effectively as cognitive behavioral therapy and Prozac if we ever had a pill that did that it'd be there'd be lines up the, <laughs> you know out the street trying to get this thing you know but but I began to, in my practice too to see that that nobody's taking this medicine. <laughs> You know, and I, I've served actually on two presidents councils under um, 
President George W. Bush and, and President Obama on, on President's Council on Physical Fitness. And our, our goal was really to get our nation, our world, really, um, you know, the, the word out that, hey, this is, you know, we have an epidemic of obesity and sedentary lifestyle that is killing us, you know, and it, it really is giving us a lot of the conditions that I see. Um, if you have, if you're obese and overweight, you're more at risk for arthritis. I'll see you for that, you know, and, and so, and, and, and then in patients coming to me, the answer is not, again, well, you need a shot or you need a knee. I mean, maybe those are tools. That's great. But if we can get to the foundational stuff, hey, if we can get you to lose weight, get active, get strong, you're going to feel better. And and almost every study we have, even with osteoarthritis, shows that people who exercise have less pain and better function. It's a direct linear response. So So getting back to those foundational things and you know, you guys probably know, have heard of, you know, regenerative medicine, you know, stem cells and orthobiologics and PRP and platelet-rich plasma, all that stuff. I have, a, you know, I've, my colleagues are some of the world's experts in that. I, and I tease them because I said, you know, if you take the, the, all the studies and if you take all the studies on regenerative medicine, we're trying to make it work. And it is great. It's an exciting field. We have definite applications for it. Super. But if you took all the best studies of regenerative medicine compared to all the studies we have on the effects of exercise, the effect size, which means like the powerfulness of the evidence is 800 times more powerful for exercise. So, I mean, it's huge and it's, it's evidence. It's not, it's not, you know, oh yeah, you know, and people think, you know, like you say, it's, it's a trite thing. Oh yeah, just exercise. No, this is true medicine. It's truly helping to change our life, our quality of life and, and really our quantity of life too. So it became a passion to me to kind of take this message further and to get back. And, and again, at Mayo, it's great. We have huge technology that's wonderful. But sometimes, you know, that technology, we get lost in that technology and we, we kind of forget the foundational things. So really getting back to those foundations of movement is medicine, you know, motion is lotion, uh, getting people moving, getting people strong uh, so that they're not as frail when they're elderly, um, you know, improving balance and stability to prevent falls, which is the third leading cause of death in people over 65 is falling. So, you know, those basic things that, that impact our life. And, and again, it's not, an, it's not taking a pill and it's not getting an injection. It's, um, you know, it's these basic things that we need to be working on. All right. So that was a lot, but we understand it all. You're <laughs> preaching to the choir right now with the two of us as your as your main audience as you speak. Yeah. And 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 um. So my question is: We have all this evidence. We we know all this information. Why do we swing and miss with it? Uh, why is it not pushed? Is it a profit issue? Is it is it just you know the lack of uh, willingness to participate by the patient? Uh, what like, is what, it hard? Yeah. Like what what is it? Why, <laughs> why do we swing and miss? Well, it's the old answer, multifactorial, right? <laughs> I think there's, a, there's a, probably a whole mess of reasons. But, you know, again, instant gratification, our, our culture and our society is that, you know, we want it. We want it now. We want it fast. We want it quick. We want to get better quick. And, I, you know, if I am have a pain or whatever, I, I want it gone too. But so sometimes we go for the quick fix instead of really the, the foundational thing. And uh, I think, you know, the, a lot of things in our culture and society, um, you know, we have made us more sedentary. I lecture around the world. And Dubai, about 45% of the men, 35% of the women are obese. And China now, uh, 25% of people in major cities are obese because why? 
Now they have KFC and McDonald's and fast food and they're more affluent and they're having technology and there's more cars and there's more all that stuff that kept people moving. Um, you know, there's, there's not that much of it anymore. So, you know, those types of things are, are, are occurring around the world really in many areas. So we're, we're more sedentary. Our diets are, you know, everybody's busy. So everybody's eating fast food and maybe not um, clean eating and eat, having good diets as they should. So you put all that together um, and, you know, sleep deprivation, not enough recovery. And I think, I think our field, you guys have done such a great job, but our field too, um, exercise, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't mean putting on spandex and spending 10 hours in a gym a day. <laughs> you know, it doesn't mean, you know, running a marathon. It just, it just means moving. And, and I think we've had a lot of myths and misconceptions in the exercise field that we've, you know, kind of put research behind over the years to kind of dispel and, and make exercise more enticing and, and more, you know, doable for people that, you know, you don't have to run a marathon. You just walk in your neighborhood for 30 minutes. That's great. You know, and, and strength training you don't have to bench press 600 pounds you know <laughs> so and and even the you know the little things like you know I, this is one point that you know it's it's evidence-based and I, I run across this all the time in the fitness community but one set of exercise to fatigue gives you 90 percent of your strength benefit you know the physiologic principle is once you fatigue a muscle, you fatigue a muscle. You can fatigue it two, three, four, six times. There's a law of diminishing returns. But how that translates into the general pop, and again, special populations, you need to get that ten percent. Sure. Okay, fine. You know, but but for most people, for public health, if I tell you, hey, you only have to spend twenty minutes in the weight room instead of an hour and twenty minutes, what's going to be more easier for them to do? What's going to be more enticing for them to do? And if I tell them, hey, you can rep, you can fatigue your muscle at rep twenty-seven. That's as long as it fatigues at 27, it's probably going to be a weight you can control easier. It's your form and mechanics and te- movement patterns are going to be better kept uh, than, you know, a, a six rep fatigue where you're fighting to get that last rep up. So, so those are the things that I think we need to bring in too. that, um, you know, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to be a professional bodybuilder. You don't have to be a professional athlete and these simple things work, they work, you know, and, and, uh, you know, those messages, because some people, they, they kind of see the numbers, you know, it's about 150 minutes of moderate activity per week. And, you know, they, they try and do it and, and they, you know, they do it all at once and they get sore and they set up done, you know, so, so kind of gradually getting them into things and, and enticing them into things. Or they get sore or they, or they think they suck at it, right? They, they go out for a run. Yeah. I'm going to go out for a run, you know, the New Year's resolutions and all those, you know, and, and, and then they, they breathe too heavy one time and they're like, that's, that's enough for me. And then, and they, you know, <laughs> then they're out. For sure. For sure. I just want to stop for a second for all of, all of our listeners all over the place, because we sit here and sometimes we pontificate a little bit about exercise and, and yell and, at you and we you know talk about how it you know all of the research about preventing disease because i do you know talk to people a lot now instead of saying exercise is medicine i say you know let's not fight it with all we got let's prevent it with all we got and then we can worry about fighting it if it happens and just to to sit here and say okay listen everyone right now Brian and I talk about this, but now, Dr. Laskowski, you are saying, listen, I am with the Mayo Clinic and this is evidence-based and sometimes you just need to hear it from someone else. And, and that's what I want to stop and say that this is, 
this is real. This is what research says. And even what you just said about, you know, some of the regenerative um, medicines that are out there, people want the quick fix. You know, we hear about the stem cells. We yeah. hear about all this and that you said, didn't you, did you say it was 800? Was that what you said? the statistic before the effect size of exercise 800 times more powerful christine absolutely mm-hmm. that, um... oh, you guys are absolutely right and and in the message you're 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 portraying and, and getting out there is wonderful because the more people that hear this the more people that you know some people are just scared of exercise they don't they they think they have to do those intense things or and they don't and they don't know they don't know and and also exercise as we talked about too it's some of these meetings it is a medicine you have to take it right and and i see in my practice in sports medicine a lot of people who hurt themselves with exercise so and trying to do something they shouldn't or trying to do things they're not prepared to do had talking about that foundation not having that foundation of good movement patterns first uh, you know, so so you know that's uh, and that's our job too is to to make sure that you do it right. I'm wondering the I truly believe this too is that's that's my jam. You know, the chronic <laughs> disease fitness population is my jam. Those are my people. That's mm-hmm. what I do. And mm-hmm. one thing that I want to know from you and what you think is. I personally think there's a lot of issues with the fitness industry. We have to have to be more, we hear the word inclusive, right? And it's Mm -hmm. inclusive, be inclusive. Well, you know, exercise is medicine for the body and the mind. And we've got this demographic of people that are very sick. You name it, you name whatever you want to name, physical, mental, and they Mm -hmm. are feeling left out. They're feeling not included. They're feeling like I'm not being spoken to or not comfortable. What, you know, where do we start here with, you know, is it education? Is it, you know, is it communication? How, you know, what are some of the things you think that, you know, is mm-hmm. the fitness industry we need to change immediately? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a great question. I, I think, you know, Tradition dies hard, right? And and a lot of times with exercise and fitness, it's it's not been built on built on that evidence based foundation, and it's been, you know, body the image is a bodybuilder, or a professional athlete, or whatever, and and that's great. I mean, that's wonderful if that's the goal, but but you don't have to be that. And I think, um, you know, again, to be more inclusive, it's. Again, I mean, forget about the number BMI, just be fit. And we have a lot of people with BMIs that are not perfect, but they, they exercise regularly. Their cardiovascular lipid profiles are great. And, and get these numbers out of your head. They're, they're nice guides. They tell us what's going on in the world and in our country. But, but you know, just just taking those steps of, and everything else will happen after that. Um, once we start getting in that mode of, of activity, once we start clean eating, then the rest will happen. You know, the, the muscle tone will get better. The weight will get better. All that sort of stuff will get better on its own. So I think we have to make it a little more enticing and not as intimidating. And, and some of the exercise programs are pretty intimidating. Like, you know, the, a lot of the functional training programs and the, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff, I mean, high intensity interval training initially was started, you know, no resistance, but we're, we're applying resistance. And whenever you add load, 
whatever you accelerate, you have to decelerate. And deceleration forces are pretty bad. And, you know, you have your 58-year-old soccer mom <laughs> doing some some deceleration. Not not that she can't, but but if, if she's not ready for that, if she hasn't trained for that, if she doesn't have good movement patterns for that, that could be a recipe for disaster. Um, ACL injuries, we know there's movement patterns. When If you do a single leg squat and your knee dives inward, you are really at risk of six to eight times more likely to get an ACL injury if you do a cut pivot sport like soccer. So again, are we just going to send people out? Yeah, just go play. No, no, you have to have those foundational movement patterns first. So, so again, going back to the foundations of doing the right things, moving the right way, um, you know, and focusing on those things rather than this image of, you know, Arnold or whatever that, you know, people, oh, I'll never get there. Oh, I'll, no, I'll never look like that. You know, you can improve your health so much by by those little steps that that really aren't little. They they add up over time quite significantly. So, I mean, we we can go on and on about the fitness industry. I, I, you know, I've said it here. Just you know, we're so ready to hit you over the head with a boot camp in order to get you <laughs> fit and healthy. When you know, ninety percent of the population either doesn't need it or can't handle it, right? Or mentally, yeah. Right? Yeah. they're like they, yeah. not even ready to. Just, yeah, and they, you know, we market to the people that would use us anyway, right? We we are marketing, yeah. and and forget whatever's this new phenomenon of fitness influencers and all these things which is you know uh you know basically attractive fit people and barely anything that they're wearing and they're happy you know proud enough to put themselves right. on the social medias uh yeah so we just we just get it all all wrong now um question now you said from a from a you, you mentioned being on the uh, president mm-hmm. boards and things like that from a public health perspective what's the initiative there i mean what is what is the you know the outlook is not good, right? We're not getting any healthier. We're right. getting sicker. What's the perception right. there? I mean, what is, what is their, what are their objectives for fixing this? Well, I mean, you know, again, making it as simple and as enticing as possible. So one of the, one of the goals is the let's move project. And again, movement that, and having, showing representation of all different types of people, all different types of body type, all different types of activities. You know, again, I, I liked almost the word physical activity rather than exercise because exercise implies going somewhere, putting on spandex, sweating bullets, and <laughs> showering and coming home where activity is anything, any movement, you're playing with your kids, you know, and, and and I deal with this too in sports and with kids even we're we're doing this thing we call single sports specialization we're, oh. we're you know three years old we're we're getting them this soccer you know and they're all chasing a soccer ball but they haven't learned basic movement you play tag you know things like that tag can you imagine the cut pivoting body control you have playing a game of tag with somebody or you know those types of things we're missing and we're going into these sports so early that we're not getting kids well rounded doctor that's like, know, that's like getting, our second axe to grind all right. You hit on our first axe to grind with the <laughs> mm-hmm. fitness industry. Now you got the second axe to grind. Like these are all the things that we talk about. Yeah, the specialization <laughs> yeah. at young ages. Continue. We're I'm getting sorry. angry. <laughs> we got. We just got angry for a second. You know, all round, you round us up. <laughs> That's okay. That's good anger, but uh, it's it's true, and we see kids getting injured. And you know, it's interesting. There's a you heard of the Tommy John injury? It's mm-hmm. an ulnar collateral ligament injury in the elbow, and and we're seeing kids 15 years old getting this because they're they're getting overused and they're playing. And, and it's interesting. Talk about evidence. 
if you pitch in a baseball showcase, which means, you know, you're so good, you're in this baseball showcase, if you, you won't go on to the next level if you do a study, that you won't go to college scholarship mm-hmm. and you won't make it to the pros because <laughs> you probably will burn yourself out and get hurt before that, you know, and, and you look at the greats in sport, like, you know, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, those guys did everything. You know, Jordan is great. I mean, he's incredible and in, in everything, but the, they were multi-sport athletes and, yes. and more often than not, the multi-sport athlete will do wonderfully. And I mean, you look at Tiger Woods even and what, what an amazing career he's had, but look at his body. You know, he is the golf club at three years old and you know acl back issues herniated disc all that sort of stuff and you know so you know could he have done it a little bit different and preserved his body a little bit more and been out there even longer you know so i so the the multi-sport athlete the the basic play um there's a there's a organization called project play it's the aspen institute the robert wood johnson foundation american college of sports medicine a lot of different organizations got together um, and if you just google project play it's kind of getting play back into to kids and you know when when you do studies and ask them about what they they feel is important kids in, in in activity it's it's always fun it's not winning you know but but then adults get in the mix and they they make these leagues and they make traveling teams and and schedules and you know it it, it takes it away from from hey just let's go outside and, and run around and play get get few people together and hit the ball around or there, something there is know. absolutely no more organic play at all anymore i have i have three it's scheduled i Ryan, have th- everything yeah. everything i have three boys yeah. ages 14 10 and 9 and mm-hmm. I have everything's in in a uniform. Everything requires a parent to get them there. Everything costs money. Everything yeah. is, is you know we do. I do mix them up season season. Like they play everything, which you know yeah. is, is good. But even with That's that, good. I get pressure from coaches. Right? It's baseball oh, season. Sure. It's always baseball season. It's soccer season. It's always soccer season. Oh, uh, for sure. You know, yeah. and, and and I'm a I'm a track and field coach, and you know I I love that. I said it can be your secondary sport for anything. Right. Yeah, until until yeah, you realize yeah. how good at you are, and then it could be your primary. Um, but uh, <laughs> you, you, you know, and, and they realize that the opportunity is there. But it it it's insane. It's insane. And and a lot of the things that keep us healthy as as kids, we're going to the park and picking sides and sorting out our differences and and doing all yeah. these things that were more you know, uh, just uh, just great growth and growing up and and all the things that happen the skin knees and and the fights even yeah. you know, uh, <laughs> yeah, and, and and even in physically I think body awareness if you if you do those activities that like tag or hide and seek you know you run around you're just playing and stuff you get that center of mass appreciation rather than you know you see this the soccer g- games with the four year olds and everybody's chasing the ball. It's like it's not really developing stuff, you know. It's it was interesting. I, our kids, um, we homeschooled, so we had a kids in this class. Uh, this uh, the teacher was actually a, a mom of a professional hockey player, and she had them stand with their. Was, they were about like six years old. And I kind of watched the session. They had them stand with. The, she had them stand with their feet together and throw a Nerf ball against the wall. And and they were all over the place, you know, the lobbing it, target acquisition, horrible. All she had them do is she said, take a step back and now throw. And now, boom. <laughs> you know, they, they targeted you. They, they were right on every, because they were, it, it, what she was teaching was center of balance. You know, she, she put a hula hoop out, ran, had them run, catch it and bring back, you know, they were, they were cutting, pivoting, doing stuff that, you know, kids used to do when they were playing outside. But, but then these early sports specific movements and, and, and games and stuff, they don't give us that the kids, that general body awareness and that center of mass appreciation. 
So, you know, and again, we think we're doing the right thing by we're, we're burning them out, both psychologically and physically. They're getting more injuries. Um, so, you know, we really encourage, you know, again, like you're doing the 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 multi-sport athlete and, and taking a break and doing something different. And, and, you know, for parents, you don't, you don't know how your kids are wired up. Some kids may be wired up to be great swimmers. Some kids may be wired up to be great tennis players. Some kids, great soccer players. Some, they don't know that unless you try a bunch of things. And, and by narrowing them in, in these one, the one area and that one focus, you may never really find out, you know, how your kids really wired up to do best in. I'm, I got the kids too, all the kids. I'm the, you know, you're talking to someone who did the, you know, my first surgery was rotator cuff at age 16, mm. you know, mm. cause you're, you're mm. an athlete and they treat you like a robot and that's, and that's what yeah. it was. Um, but luckily yeah. I was able to, you know, play all the sports and, and get past it. But that's, you know, that's something when we talk about, um, you know, when we talk about exercise and medicine and as exercise is prevented, preventative medicine, what mm-hmm. what do you believe has happened aside from you know aside from maybe even the people right now though we grew up climbing trees and playing mm-hmm. tag and riding our bikes mm-hmm. until mm-hmm. the sun went down and coming back and we didn't have cell phones and it, right but we are also still the generation now that is not moving and i'm mm-hmm. i'm curious as to is it just technology? Is it is it just the availability of foods that are so much worse? Is there I mean these are the things that keep me up at night that I, you know, don't you know, eyeballs open. Like what is it? What can we do yeah. because exercise is is not and I hate I actually don't use the word exercise anymore. I mm-hmm. use movement. Mm-hmm. Like you said activity. Mm-hmm. I always yeah, just say movement. Sure. Because I'm like exercise, mm-hmm. they think of you know the sweatbands and they're mm-hmm. they're like bleeding out of their eyes because they, <laughs> they mm-hmm. work so hard. I'm like just move, mm-hmm. just do something, get up. Yeah. Um, what What yeah. do you think caused that? Well, it's that's the billion dollar question, Christine. I think you know, and again, I think it's a lot of things. I think it's you know that there's been tons of studies on screen time. You know, the more screen time you spend, the more obese you're going to be. Um, and so that's part of it. Diet, you know, and, you know, before you had that image, I, I, there was a public service announcement a couple of years back where it was like, you know, eat dinner with your family once a week. I'm like, once a week? <laughs> you, know, like, you know, I mean, but everybody's, you know, the busy society, you know, and everybody's doing it because I, you go in these homes, these million dollar homes, you see these Viking ranges, they've never been turned on because <laughs> everybody's getting takeout, you know? And so, um, you know, all those things together, I think, uh, you know, we, we kind of lose, like for, for me, a big focus was family stuff. Like we, so, so we eat dinner instead of, you know, talking around the table, after we eat dinner, we'd go for a walk as a family. So we we kind of talk about the day and stuff that happened while we're walking in the neighborhood, you know, and just so we're getting movement while we're while we're talking and just weaving it into day daily life. But I think the technology and all the you know the social media pressure with kids and all that sort of stuff, the gaming with kids, um, electronics, all that sort of stuff, has taken us away from hey getting outside and interacting with people and and playing for play's sake, and got us into these little niches of technology and you know again and then everybody's busy they can't cook so then we're getting bad fast food. 
Um, and then, you know, again, some neighborhoods, you know, was at the president's council, some was, some people would buy right into everything, said, Doc, I can't trust to have my kids outside. It's not safe out there. You know, I totally understand that. In some areas, you know, they're, they're up, you know, parents are just wanting their kids to get home safe and they're watching for them to come home. So, so there's, I think there's different challenges in different areas, but I think globally and, and nationally for sure, I think the, the bad food environment is one of them. I think the, you know, the technology certainly is another. And I think the social issues too of, of just kind of, you know, we, like you guys were saying and Brian was saying, we don't relate anymore as kids, you know, that we relate to these phones. Some of my kids in my, in my office, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm texting them how they feel because they can't look at me. <laughs> they're in that, they're, they're buried in that phone, you know, and the mom will talk for them or, or whatever, but they, you know, they haven't kind of even learned the communication skills to, to tell me what's wrong. Um, and that's sad. It's sad. So, so I think our culture has shifted a lot in a lot of areas to, you know, to kind of enable all these things to, to fit. So again, it's getting back to basics, foundational things. Hey, you're a family, be a family, be together, you know, eat together. Um, we, we did, you know, we biked together, we skied together, we hiked together. And, you know, it, it was interesting. We used to go to Rocky Mountain National Park from Minnesota. It's about a day and a half drive. So it's a nice little summer thing to do. And we have pictures of our kids at three, you know, kind of climbing these mountains. And, and we weren't kind of whipping them. And, <laughs> you know, they'd say, oh, there's a pine cone. They'd walk up to that. No, oh, look at that tree. And, and, you know, we did it every year and, and just it was what we did. And now the, it's a part of them. That's a part of what they do. They, if they don't get movement and activity, they don't like it. You know, they, they, they want to do that. So it wasn't, wasn't beating them over the head, but it was weaving it into, you know, the culture. So, so the answer, Christine, too, it starts in the microcosm of the family. You know, you, you're a role model to, to those around you and your family especially. And, um, you know, if, you know, if you tell them about honesty and then, you know, your phone rings and you oh answer that, tell them I'm not home. What does that say about honesty? Well, if you say all these things great about activity and we don't model it ourselves, then they're not going to follow it either, but they'll, they'll follow if we do. So if we kind of have that as part of our family unit, then that, that hopefully will spread. And, you know, we've had a lot of other family. Hey, how do you, why do you guys, you guys are always walking. Well, how, what do you, how do you do that? Or how you're, you know, oh, your family is always saying, wow, what do you do? You know, so people ask about that. They, they're, you know, you kind of are a, a bright light and, and, you know, in, in some ways. So, so I think those are, um, those are some things, but it's uh, it's certainly a complex and multifaceted thing. But but you know, generationally, boy, you know, our culture has changed a lot in a short period of time too. So, and and you know, we're in a time with all this with all these cell phones, and we carry these devices in our pockets to you know hold all information ever known to mankind, right? Pretty much access yeah. to our fingertips. For sure. And and yet, uh-huh. you know, like you know, and, and again, my algorithms in my feeds are pretty much all lifestyle modification doctor fitness you know wellness health and things like that positivity and that's and that's my that's you know those are my interests and i enjoy reading all this information just so i could you know i I, you know in addition to doing this for a living i i I love the information i think it's fantastic i'm like you i ate you know 800 times the the uh you know the 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 effectiveness as as anything so Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know but it, it it is kind of rare. So, like, why? It, how? I guess let me ask that. How does Mayo Clinic and you know your colleagues and how do they get this information out to people? Are they effective in getting the information out to people? I see it, but are the people who need to see it seeing it? 
Yeah. Well, it's a great question. And, I, you know, we try various, again, probably a multifaceted approach. So so just education on, on the website. Um, but, you know, where the most comes is really that, that interaction with patients, too. And and I, I'm, again, you think I'm preaching to the choir with preaching to docs, but I tell you, about a, only a third of docs discuss with their patients what we're talking about today, the importance of activity and exercise. And, you know, and I think as a as a provider, you want to make people feel better and you want to make people feel better quick. And, you know, this, here's this option or this solution, but, but we really need to talk about those foundational things and what are the barriers? Why aren't you doing it? You know, we, there's a, there's a program in the American college of sports medicine called exercises medicine. And we, uh, you know, one of the things that we're trying to get, and we still haven't get, gotten it yet, but it, but as exercise is a vital sign. So just like they, you come in, they take your temperature, they do your blood pressure, they ask you what you, how many minutes, you know, of exercise activity are you getting, and uh, awesome. are you doing strength activity, and you know that that I think is is the key. So if we can get docs at your at your visits doing this and then and then also going deeper and just saying uh here's here's how to combat this roadblock or here's what i do or you know those types of things i think i think that's it, it again it will probably start on that level and and spread out rather than you know there's not one magic answer but i right. think the more we can get this individualized because everybody's going to probably have a different reason so now, for some it's time for some it's you know maybe lack of education that, that's what i was going to ask you about is the lack of that well you know from a medical perspective it seems to me that if not all the doctors are understanding the data and the information and the evidence and all the information that's out there look i've already taken wax at the fitness industry right <laughs> i don't mind taking wax at the doctors is there is there a void in education is there something that it's lacking there you know and i don't know it's i, I think it's uh, it's forgetting the foundations and uh, giving an example an analogy is it's in our specialty we use ultrasound a lot now and we use ultrasound to look at ligaments and we use ultrasound to guide injections and it's a great tool it's a great tool but i'm finding as our residents come through programs they're they're not as adept in the history and the physical exam you know, like you get an athlete, it's a, it's a 15 year old girl playing soccer. She cuts pivots, has a swollen knee, can't return to play, feels unstable. She's got an ACL until you prove it otherwise by history alone. So, so there's, there's a lot of these foundational things that we need the foundation. All these tools are wonderful. They're great. And we're learning how to use them more. They're great adjuncts. MRI, great mm-hmm. tool. Um, but as you probably, you guys probably know, MRI doesn't correlate with how you feel. You can have a, a trashy look lumbar spine MRI and you feel great you had a pretty great looking MRI and you feel horrible so you know we we want to we want to get that foundation down and and that's I think in with medicine too we don't want to get lost in the technology and the you know the artificial intelligence and all this is taking us it's great there's there's really neat avenues that it can help us with but we don't want it to supplant the foundations and the foundations are you know those those you know, clean eating, good movement, um, those types of things, good recovery with sleep, um, all that, that, that basic stuff really. Um, and, and unless we do that, and then we're going to have people with, you know, BMIs of 50 saying, you know, squirt my knee doc. Well, well, yeah, we can squirt your knee, but it's really not going to fix the other parts that are wrong. And it's not a, it's not a, it's not a foundational fix. You know, it's, you'll be back for this. So, um, you know, getting back to foundations, instilling this in our in our medical 
crews as they come through training too, you know, our residencies and all. And again, I think with so much technology and so many good medicine, I mean, there, there are some amazing things available out there now. Um, you know, sometimes the foundational things seem to get short shrifted and uh you know christine knows this but one of the one of the lectures i i just i do the percentages of what exercise does you know like a half 50 percent reduction in breast cancer you know staggering stuff which which if you had a pill and and you said you know you take this pill it's going to give you this you'd have lines around the block uh, all all day all night to get this pill but but that's evidence-based stuff that that exercise does, as you guys know and have been promoting. So so those are the things that I think we need to, to kind of have the conversation on. And, uh, you know, hopefully as we as medicine gets, you know, you, you never want to lose the time. The best thing is having time with your patient and having time to, to, to really talk with them, to, to have a relationship, to to delve into those issues and not just, you know, having this five minute visit in which you just look at a lab test or lab value and prescribe another med or whatever, you know. So, so I think this is something I've pushed for in medical education and, 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 you know, it's been a, you know, the cardiovascular science and musculoskeletal science hasn't really, it's been developed in the last 10, 15, 20 years. And, you know, the studies we have now, so it's kind of, you know, not as glamorous uh, or sexy as maybe the cardiovascular or all those other areas. But um, the most common reason that a people will see, will see a doc is a musculoskeletal injury. <laughs> we, we used to say we, we see people from the board of governors to the janitors because everybody's got either a, a neck pain, a back pain, a knee pain, a shoulder pain, ankle injury, whatever, hip pain. Um, so so you want to you want to have the tools to to navigate life in the in the right way to minimize those risks and to optimize your health. And and a lot of those things, it doesn't it, you know, again, it doesn't take a marathon uh, to do it. You know, just just slow and steady wins the race. Like you guys said, movement, move, just move 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 so tell tell us this how far away are we from the mayo clinic or various doctors working side by side with people like brian and myself whereas they would bring us into that conversation of we realize you know you are you know you are at risk for heart disease you have you know at risk for developing severe arthritis unless you make major lifestyle changes. And I need, you know, exercise is medicine, but you're a doctor. You're not a, you know, personal trainer unless you are. Okay. But where, where do we bring in that conversation? And, and is that, do you see that happening at some point? Because both Brian and myself, and I'm sure you see it as well is, you know, there are a lot of people out there that, you know, doctor, you go to school for, you know, 12 years at least. And, you know, some some personal trainers will go to school for a weekend and have this right, certificate. Right. And, uh, you know, that I believe is frightening. Um, but there are yep. people, present company, that have done their research and have their certifications and their education behind them. But we're lumped into that category. What do yeah, you see happening yeah. and in the future? Well, so what we've tried to do, we've tried to model our sports center on that exactly what you say, a bidirectional model. So you, you have a doc, but then you also have a physical therapist, and then you also have maybe an athletic trainer, and then you also have a performance coach. So you have that continuum because, and, and you guys know in medical plans even, if you have an injury, 
we'll get you to a certain point and, and you'll be okay from the medical standpoint, but you won't be okay to return maybe to that activity that you were playing at a high level. You need more. So, so that's why we have that continuum. We'll, you know, the doc will diagnose, we'll, we'll give you the plan, the therapist will help carry it out, the trainer, and then the performance coach will help you know, also solidify that and also look at movement patterns to prevent recurrence. And it's bi-directional because we also have, you come into our programs and without an injury and say, hey, I want to get better at baseball. Okay, well, well, you're on. We're on your end, the performance end of things, and we'll say, hey, here's what you need to work on. Here's the things you need to do, and maybe you guys will say, well, you know, George, he's limping all the time. Is yeah, yeah, I've seen him he's limping. He better go see Doc about that. And all of a sudden, he sees me. Now, oh yeah, you got an Achilles problem. Let's work on that. So it's a bi-directional model. We kind of feed, you know, into that performance domain and optimization of fitness after the medical issue is resolved. But you guys also recognize, hey, this is, you know, that person's really having trouble with that, or that, oh boy, you know, what's what's going on there? That person can't do that. Oh, that movement is horrible. So you may refer back to the physical therapist or the doc to kind of correct those bad patterns and kind of solidify those things more so it's a team it's a team approach and and everybody on the team is integral and important so i think we can get siloed sometimes oh only i can do this or only i can do that you know that's where we get the bad stuff happen and and i think again like you said earlier christine open-mindedness is key because oh evidence does buck tradition (laughs) and some things are just not you know not right, you know, to do. So, uh, you know, you, we have to kind of be willing to say, yeah, here's a better way to do that. Or here's what we have to look at when doing this, or here's what, so I think, um, you know, the education is important. Um, we're going to something called micro credentials now also, where we're like, if you're, if you have a, say you have a athletic training degree, but you want to do something higher level that requires a knowledge base, we'll kind of have steps outlined for you to get that knowledge base. So it's not getting a master's or a PhD, but but we we want, okay, you want to work on our ACL prevention program. Well, you need to know these, here's the movement patterns you need to look at. Here's glute, or here's here's what we have to look at. So we'll kind of get those micro-credentials to enable you to do that task. Because, uh, again, it's such a broad area. There's so much stuff. You know, you mentioned rotator cuff to ACL to ankle sprains to back pain and pinched nerves. And, I mean, there's a mess of stuff out there. So you can't know everything. But but you, if you're treating a certain entity, you want to have, have the best knowledge base possible. So that's one thing, too. So, And one therapist maybe or one trainer may be interested in ACL rehab. One may be interested in baseball throwing and optimal, you know, mechanics of baseball, optimal throw mechanics, you know. So they want to do video analysis of people throwing baseballs to make sure the movement patterns are as good as possible. So those are the things. And when we put all that together, now we have a great team. So we have people doing what they want to do, what they're trained to do, what they're good at doing. They can recognize both ends, our trainers and our our, our our performance staff can recognize when somebody's having problems and has an issue and needs to see the doc. The docs can be assured that that despite the, yeah, they're healed, but they're going to also get further training to, to kind of prevent recurrence and to get them functioning the best that they can. So that, that bi-directional model, respecting each each person's place in the team and being a team you know communicating and all and that's i think those those are important not saying oh i'm the only one who can do that or oh, I'm the, you know that guy doesn't know anything <laughs> you know we're all working together 
we all need a little help, right? And uh, but yeah. but again, you know, I'll take another stab at the fitness industry because Christine brought it up. Is that our credentialing, you, you know, it, uh, system is not great. I mean, there are all sorts of things. So I'm glad that you do have those, uh, you know, things in place. If you want to work with us, this is what you have to do. This is where you need to be. Yeah. And here's a you know a course or a certificate or something like that that you have to earn in order to, uh, you know, receive the referrals. I, I love that. There's nothing, you know. A better educated fitness professional is is always going to be better to work with from your standpoint. I wouldn't want to work with you if I didn't have it, right? Because that would be over exactly. my head. Um, exactly. So and that's something we're really exploring at Mayo Clinic, and it's uh, throughout the country too. It's becoming a very popular model. So especially for this industry, I think it's going to be a real. Like you guys said, there's so much disparity, you know, and, and so much uh, difference in what people and it, know and do, and and, and, and it's not and all the case that. everywhere because I've been, mm-hmm. you know, we've had to place some education in different countries and things like that. Some companies that I've worked for. And, and, you know, Australia, for instance, is like, this is not, you, a fitness trainer cannot do this. If you, you have to have a college degree in order to complete this course, uh, you know, the, the level of, of education or, you know, just whatever you have to, the level of accomplishment that you have to, um, you know, go through is way higher in other places than it is here. I mean, forget it. You can get a CrossFit certification in, in uh, you know, in a weekend. And I know that right. you, uh, I know the sports medicine uh, doctors love the CrossFitters because uh, they're, they're, they're constantly fixing those cats. Um, Keep us in business. Here. <laughs> exactly right. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, it's just you know that's just another another thing. You know, it's another for profit industry that is getting in the way of of actually helping. Uh, you know, it doesn't do what we think it's going to do. Most of the time, when it comes to education, people are going to say, just like medicine, I want to quick. I want to be in and out as quickly as possible, and I want to get whatever I need in order to move forward, yeah. right? And yeah. and you know, it's the same societal issue that microwave society. I want it now. I want it hot, and I want to eat it, uh, you know, real quickly. Um, so right. yeah, I think that there's, there's just, look, it's a, it's a, like you said, there's many angles, there's many answers and there's many questions and, uh, you know, we just kind of have to, uh, keep chugging, uh, plugging along and see where we get. I had something that I had written down here and I really want to ask you about this. Now we've talked a lot about the physical aspects, the obesity, the, you know, the, the physical issues of being unhealthy or, or, you know, uh, even, you know, for, for all things or nutrition wise and all those things, but exercise is medicine from a mental, uh, health aspect. Um, what are your thoughts on that? What is your, you know, what are your, um, what does the research tell us on that? And, and even from there, like, like even from like a childhood education, things like get up and move in the classroom and cognitive ability and all those things, where, where does exercise come into play there? No, it's great, great uh, area, Brian, to look at because it is is truly medicine for the, those psychological areas and and mental health areas as well. And we gave that example of of there's studies that show exercise is as effective as Prozac or cognitive behavioral therapy in the treatment of depression. And again, not saying that nobody needs depression medication. There are roles for for that, but but in general, we have a culture again with with some serious mental health issues, and you know the 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 stress that people face today, you know, in this post COVID era and the COVID and and just everything that's going on um, is significant. And 
we know we know that exercise helps reduce anxiety it helps produce reduce depression those you know the runners high endorphins um, you don't have to run necessarily to get those that any movement pattern over a period of time will produce those those chemicals in our own body that are natural that make us feel better um, we know studies that you know if, if you uh, actually exercise delays the onset of Alzheimer's disease, of senile onset dementia, we found. Uh, more active people have less incidence of dementia. Um, for people even with conditions like you guys were talking about earlier, like Parkinson's disease, um, exercise affects its, its first-line treatment. In fact, when somebody gets diagnosed, especially with early onset, uh, a lot of these are younger people, like you may remember Michael J. Fox and when they first get diagnosed, um, they're sent to sports medicine for an exercise program. It's that powerful medicine that the neurologist will not give them a pill. They will say, you need an appointment with sports medicine to get an exercise program because that's the most effective treatment for this. So that and, and, and again, the mental health issues, anxiety, it's a you go take a walk for you're anxious and it's that's an immediate effect you go take take a walk for 30 minutes and you're anxious you are immediately having a have a difference so so there's some long-term effects but there's some immediate effects too so you know again it's 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 all the realms of our of our quality of life and and how we feel is a big part of that so depression anxiety alertness um, and concentration and all that um, it improves uh, when we exercise we get a better sleep, better restorative sleep. The stage four sleep, which is our deep restorative sleep, is improved when we're consistently active and moving. Um, so our task performance, our thinking skills, our cognitive skills are sharper if we're active than if we're not. Um, I reviewed one paper from Mayo, Mayo Clinic Proceedings, and it was, it was amazing. They just took active people, and for one week, they just made them sedentary and they gave them uh what's called the profile of mood states like a measure of of how they're feeling and just everything just tanked for that week and then they reinstituted activity and went back up again so it was a you know it's a very simple thing but just even how how these people have been used to being active and we kind of said no for a week it really changed their mental status a lot so um again as you say there's a there's a myriad of benefits for for mental health psychological health as well as our as our physical bodies that's why it's why christine and i are so jolly all the time i people would <laughs> we're moving people would get hurt if i had to not exercise people the sharp would be hurt. <laughs> they know the You're family right. knows daddy needs a run yeah right? oh yeah. my <laughs> better get daddy out for wow. a run yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know and, and look winter months and and things where where activities levels are lower and it's colder and there's you know gloomy skies You're and all the one those who things. told me to just dress warmer well no I, no what i'm saying <laughs> is that those are you know the those are depressed months like right there's probably more yeah. numbers you know, scientifically for seasonal depression, depression, seasonal depression yeah. of course, of course, there's even a term for it. How about that? Um, yeah, this, you is- know, in, in Minnesota, I try to, you know, cause it's, that's exactly true. Cause you know, it's in the winter, it's cold and, but we do have studies too, to show that if you get out there, um, and, and again, that greatly reduces and just being outside, like we talk about connection to nature, just the outside air and everything, just getting doing something outside, you know, and snowshoeing or just walking around, you know, when the snow's clear, but you know, being safe and everything, of course, but it's, uh, you know, just getting out there just helps so much, even in these winter climates. It's the people who just stay in all the time, never see the outside, you know, dark in the morning, dark in the evening. Those are the ones that 
you know, probably most at risk. And it's 20 minutes, right? 20 minutes. Get outside. Break it up into five-minute intervals right. for the love. Even there if it it's is. raining. Yeah. <laughs> right? Get yeah. 20 minutes. Doesn't have to be a lot. Doesn't have to be a lot. It's, it's yeah, really, exactly. you know, and in other cultures... Yeah, in other cultures, it's promoted, right? You know, the Japanese have their right. forest baths, and they have their, uh, you know, different areas of of, uh, of 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 the in the world. They they know this and they promote it. So, you know, but it's hard. Just to touch on because you mentioned the twenty minutes. It's a that's a great point because it used to be we you know oh you have to do something at least ten minutes or so. And again, what we're finding now, again, evidence-based medicines, any movement is good. So any, you know, you get one or two minutes, grab it, you know, get at lunch, you grab it at break time, you grab it. And, you know, you walk further away, you grab it, you take this, you grab it. So all that is cumulative. And, and that used to be, again, maybe a, 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 a confounding point for people. Oh, I had to do it for this time, or I had to do this intensity, but anything is good. So the more you accumulate, the better, um, you know, in that 150 minutes a week, 30 minutes, five days a week, you accumulate that each day and in bouts of, you know, three, five, seven, eight, that's fine. You know, and again, when you start out, maybe you do two, three minutes in the morning, two, three minutes in the afternoon, you know, then it's next week, it's four or five minutes and next week it's seven, eight minutes. And so you can kind of gradually work your way up. But, but these, um, you know, it doesn't have to be a, a prescription of a specific number all the time. You don't have to hit those exact steps yeah. every single second of every day. Yep. Oh my goodness! Yep. In, in health coaching, yep. I call it I call it stealing good health. Right? We could just steal a little <laughs> bit here. We steal a little bit yeah. there. We get you know it's some of the parts. Exactly. So as we as we're wrapping up today, I would love for you to think of something that might be a great golden nugget for our listeners around the world right now, whether they are fitness professionals or they are just looking to get a little bit healthier and maybe live a little bit more quality years. So from your background, what are some words of advice for them? You know, I think all that you guys have been promoting and talking about, I think the basics are the foundation. Don't forget the foundations. <laughs> um, you know, movement is medicine. So just getting out there, getting the movement that you need, um, preserving the strength that you have. We lose about 10% of our lean muscle mass per decade after age 30, all comers. So we got to replace that. The good news is we can if we strength train. And and actually, actually one I'd really introduce to would be stability. Because, you know, we think of those three pillars of the cardiovascular conditioning, the flexibility, and the strength. You know, those are always ones that are mentioned. But I always put the fourth one, the stability, on there. Because, like we said, the data shows us one out of three people after age 65 falls and there's about six billion dollars worth of hospitalizations each year fall related consequences you know what happens you fall you break a hip you fall you get a subdural hematoma in your head you, it's a whole mess of stuff can happen that's bad so so stability is a little you can be you can be very flexible but not stable you can be very strong but not stable i once had a 250 pound linebacker bench press 550 come to my office but if he stood on one leg i could push him over with a finger 
because he was very strong with a bench behind him, but he wasn't stable. He couldn't coordinatedly use his muscles to, to stabilize himself. So simple stuff like you're brushing your teeth at night and you stand on one leg, you know, just simple stuff. You get a BOSU ball, things like that. The more you challenge stability, the better stability gets. And, and you can start off again very slow. It doesn't have to be on a BOSU ball. It can be just stand on one leg with a chair nearby for assistance and all that sort of stuff. But, but remember those foundations, you know, just kind of weaving movement into your life, you know, making sure you get the strength exercise you need, um, making sure you get the, uh, you know, the stability exercise that you need. Those, I think, you know, those basics, we haven't found anything that, that beats it. And, and even with respect to diet, you know, all these diets and how many, how many fad diets are out there every year? There's a new one. Every six months, there's a new one. Oh, this and this and this and that. What supplants the basics of a fruit and vegetable dominant diet with lean meats and proteins? You know, nothing, you know, and, and really all our athletes, we don't have any pill in diet that can do what those bioavailable foodstuffs can do for us. So, you know, don't forget the foundations and just, you know, keep on keeping on with the basics and, and stuff. Good stuff will happen. Amazing. So fitness professionals that are listening to this right now, when you tell your clients to eat this shake and take this pill and pick up the weights and also we're going to go kickbox and ride the bicycle while we're in the pool. Um, the kitchen sink. I'm just going to say foundations are important. Make the foundations and the basics fun. And, and that is where we start. So we cannot thank you so much. I know this has been, um, you know, we've been in months and months of preparation to, uh, to connect and get you on our airwaves. And we are just super grateful for your time, sharing your expertise with all of our listeners and tell us very quickly, if someone wants to find out more information about you or any of the studies, where can they go? You know, you can even follow me on, I'm, I'm on Twitter. So I'm at, at Dr. Ed sports med uh, so capital D, capital E, capital S, capital M. So at Dr. Ed Sports Med on Twitter. Um, I always try and push out articles, like new articles on, on all the topics we're talking about there. Um, so, you know, you'll find new data I, as soon as a study comes out that's uh, pertinent to what we just talked about. I try and push it out there and, and, and include the links to those articles, too, so you can actually read the article. So happy to have you there if you, you want a direct message as well. So. You know, one of the things, Christiane, has just made me talk when you mentioned the, I, I think what's your goal is a very important question, too, for the fitness professionals, because I think that the goals that somebody may have for somebody may be very different from the goal that the person has. And, you know, again, can a 71-year-old do a good burpee? I probably probably could, but is that, is that really what they need for life and to make their quality of life better and help them get out of chairs and do things real well? So, oh, but Dr. Ed, I have a program that is just right for you. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this is all yeah. I do is sell my program <laughs> on LinkedIn. LinkedIn. <laughs> right. Oh, good Lord. Right. We're not right. even going to get look, into LinkedIn. Look, there are flaws. There are flaws <laughs> all over the place, and that's one of the reasons why we're in this situation. But look, uh, with a little bit of uh, clarity, and 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 uh, every the information that you uh, gave us today uh, really uh, helps uh, go a long way with everything that we hope to do and that uh, uh, and that you're doing and it's just uh, you know it's just a delight speaking with you so uh, thank you so much uh, you guys as well my pleasure thanks for all you guys are doing so. 
All right. Well, listen, with that said, it is Christine Conte. And I'm Brian Prendergast. And we are two fit crazies. And a microphone. We are where it's at. Peace.